to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com this episode is sponsored in part by back to the body back to the body offers sensuous retreats for women private retreats for couples or groups and weekend events called portals and even online coaching opportunities for folks who want to explore more about their sexual arousal and desires just go to backtothebody.org if you're ready for a whole body healing experience Pamela Madsen and her staff of certified back to the body method practitioners use their expertise to guide folks through transformative whole body healing journeys that are tailored to fit your specific needs. And all you have to do is bring your body. If you want to hear more about what that entails, you can go back to listen to my episode with Pamela Madsen uh, or my episode with Melissa D and Cosmo Means or Court Vox, all amazing practitioners uh, with back to the body. Right now, it is your last chance to sign up for this upcoming weekend portal event happening December 2nd to the 4th in Los Angeles. There are only a few, few spots left for this non-residential event. Uh, it is for women to ask questions and explore what Back to the Body offers in a safe weekend container. They'll have live demos and you'll practice receiving pleasure and adoration. Uh, you'll experience this thing called a lotus lift meditation. There's workshops and more. Just go to backtothebody.org slash events slash permission to secure your spot before they're gone. If you can't make it or you feel like you need more information, you can always check out their free consultations. Go to backtothebody.org to book your free call. This free 30-minute call offers professional support on issues involving your intimacy, your body, and your sex life. Uh, a back-to-the-body consultation is even more than just answering questions, um, but they can do that as well. It's a personalized session with a professional sexologist that helps provide you with the support you need to get clear on your sexuality and erotic goals. And then once you define that with them, they will help you figure out next steps to get those things met. So check out backtothebody.org to sign up for that portal event coming up this weekend in Los Angeles or a free call. And you can also check out their amazing retreats happening all over the world. That is backtothebody.org. Now to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Hey, slutty scholars. Remember this season, we are doing new themes each month. Since this episode falls right on the cusp of a new month, and because I had too many awesome guests this season, this one is a combination. November's theme was sex and culture, where we highlighted some of the many ways that sex fits into our broader experiences, relationships, and life. We covered topics around social values, spirituality, psychedelics, and more. December's theme is sex and parenthood, where we will talk about fertility, abortion, diverse relationship styles, and how to keep things exciting when you are a parent or caregiver. This episode covers a lot of those things. I chat with performer, producer, intimacy coordinator, and sex work consultant and activist Lotus Lane. We talk about pleasure, consent, voyeurism, types of porn, how sex work is portrayed in the media, and sex work and parenting. Enjoy!
Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Lotus Lane. Lotus Lane embarked as a dominatrix, cam model, and adult performer in 2012. She has since gained nominations for her adult performances and won the Expis Rise Peer Empowerment Award. Lotus is now the adult industry advocate for the Free Speech Coalition, the Adult Industries Trade Association. She's a producer, published writer, and intimacy coordinator coordinator for TV and film, a sex work consultant, and an activist working with ACLU to decriminalize sex work in California. She continues to work towards influencing change around the way sex workers are portrayed in mainstream media while shifting the perspective of how explicit sex stories are told. Welcome, Lotus. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> all right. And so for those of you who have not heard of Free Speech Coalition, definitely go check out all the things that they're doing. As you know, if you are tuning in for the first time, you might not know this, but we focus a lot on uh, sex worker rights and advocacy on the podcast. So there are a bunch of episodes we have on that. So we're not going to be super focusing on that today. But as always, highlighting that is key. That is important. I'll put some uh, episodes in the show notes that kind of highlight that so that you can catch up and be up to date. Um, okay, so today we are going to talk about uh, kind of a bunch of different things, but like what makes sex great, what we can learn from sex workers, uh, things that we could do and learn from porn, uh, and then also kind of intimacy coordination and things like that, maybe even a little bit of parenthood. We're going to be all over the place. So to start it off, I found myself wanting to ask, what is the best sex that you've had recently and what made it great? Mm. Oh, one of the best sex sessions I've had recently, I think it was between myself and a younger guy. It was because he had been hitting me up for a while. Um, and I'm so, I'm so kinky. I was like, he was like, he's been, he'd been hitting me. And I was yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> consensually. No, me up yeah. Me <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> That's just my brain went there first. <laughs> He wishes, um, no, I don't let him take control, but yeah, he'd been hitting me up <laughs> in messages here and there, like probably over the last couple of years. And I was like, mm, okay, he's still persistent. This is cute. And then he just happened to be in town and we um, hit it off better than I expected us to. And we ended up having really good, long sex and his dick was good. Um, and mostly it was like, he was really respectful and cute and kind of like, ah, it's like, because he's younger, submissive, but not in this, like, subby way. It mm. was just, like, willing to be told what to do. Willing willing to be um, handled. Yeah. What you is, know, what's, yeah. what's hottest about that for you? Um, just the, the fact that he was pliable and not resistant. You know, a <laughs> lot of guys that are really, like, ego-driven and, like, protecting their machismo and all of that um mm. their image they you know you try and suggest something playful and they're really like oh no no i don't do that or no why don't you do that you know like oh you know they they always try and switch it around to to not being a participant in something that's maybe outside of their box and bubble but i feel like with young guys they're eager to please or eager to try something new and yeah, that open mean, open to feedback yeah open to feedback and that doesn't always mean the extreme when you say some try something new a lot of guys are like oh pegging oh you know like yeah okay you know sure that'd be great if everyone's open to that, but that <laughs> yeah always, you'll probably like it if you try it <laughs> right but that's not always what it first means to say open it means like i don't know tickling games or role-playing games or just um you know 
those kind of um, edging games that you can play with a partner, you know, and some guys, they just want to get straight to business and not foreplay. So mm. yeah, basically it all funders, falls under the umbrella of foreplay, willing to foreplay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that he was persistent. What do you feel like is the good balance for you between someone who's like persistent in a way that feels good and cute versus persistent in a disrespectful way, which I think a lot of people can be with sex workers because they might think that because they get to see your butthole on the internet that they are owed to your time. Yeah. They think we're always ready. Um, I think in this case, persistent was more like um, he gave pause for when I wasn't responding the relay back and forth right away. You know, when you're texting Mm. someone and you can feel that, Oh, we're texting back and forth, rapid response. It's, you know, hot and heavy. And then you can tell when it kind of cools off and when I cool off, whether it's because I'm busy or because like, oh, this got a little weird or whatever. I really appreciate when a guy can pick up on that and just chill, just chill, just give it a moment. Don't try and come back in with something clever and save the moment. Just back up a little bit. Maybe give me a week or two to miss our interactions, you know, and then something like that. I feel like like that kind of persistence where it's not, constantly breathing down my neck with everyday messages yeah so like showing showing that you have continued interest but listening to boundaries and i I also think if you're listening out there and you're like sometimes i can't tell i prefer i don't know how you prefer but i prefer for people to just be like straightforward and say something like hey i thought we were vibing um you kind of went silent there for a second and then just getting consent being like i would like to keep hitting you up are you down to keep receiving my messages? Yeah. Right. Just fucking yeah. ask. <laughs> yeah. Some guys don't even ask. They just immediately start going in with their good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Text. Yeah. You know, hi, beautiful. Hi, beautiful. Hi, yeah, beautiful. And you're like, okay, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a good morning. Hello, gorgeous. Text <laughs> that I'm going to have oh. to on to you every morning now. Yeah. Then and then, more. and then if you don't respond a certain amount of times, then it can quickly go to, well, never mind. you're a stupid fat bitch and I didn't like you anyway. Yeah. Or they just go silent and then it's ghost time. And then it's, you know, that, that type of thing isn't appreciated either. It's like rapid fire to like cold fish and silent treatment. Isn't the way like persistence kind of is like an ebb and a flow, like a wave mm-hmm. up and down, up yeah. and down. And, and like gently yeah. go down, like just like pull the rug out from underneath us, you know? Yeah. Um, you also mentioned edging. Um, let's talk about edging a little bit. So for folks who maybe don't know what that is, I think a lot of my listeners do, but like, how do you define edging and what makes that delicious and fun for you? Um, just a little bit of like psychological role play. I like to get my partner worked up to the mm-hmm. point where it's like raging hard, maybe with or without touching. I think it's fun to do without touching and then tease a lot towards the touching. And that's to me, edging is like just that like excruciating teasing, um, almost going to the point where I'm going to give in and mm-hmm. you know, release them and then not. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little bit um, sadistic, so I laugh. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's fun to have a younger guy because you can laugh at them, and it's cute how they squirm. And you know, they don't—they <laughs> tend to not take it as personally because I'm older, anyways. You know, it's not like someone I guess on their same level they feel is belittling them. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think humor during sex is so important. Like, 
I mean, unless you've obviously agreed to the consent of like someone likes humiliation and literally wants right. to be laughed at. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like is the balance for you when you're like doming or topping someone to like laugh at and with, but also yeah. like make it playful? You know what I mean? I think when it's like partner to partner and we're more in an equal setting, equal footing, yeah. laughter is um, not as cruel. It's lighthearted. Yeah. Unless you've agreed uh, to that and then that's right, fun unless too. that's what they're into. But like, if and then that's great. A domination thing that it's definitely going to include insults and like dirty, uncomfortable stares. Yeah. Um, you know? Um, yeah. So it's definitely like a switch that I can flip on when I'm with, my partner it's more like playful i'm laughing with them not at them um you know i'm trying to get them to laugh with me hopefully they're they're feeling the vibes of the playfulness um and if not i always apologize if things are taken the wrong way but yeah if it's a domination situation that we've worked out and it's a submissive there's definite like cruelty (laughs) behind (laughs) my laughter you know i'm (laughs) laughing because i know that sensation that you're yeah 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 (laughs) i'm a a big fan too of practicing edging for myself and again if you're tuning in for the first time um it's just kind of like staying in that aroused state and like Mm -hmm. um playing with that edge of like about to orgasm but not quite going there and bringing it back a little bit and going there and then bringing it back a little bit but i've found that that for me has allowed me to get to much higher like pleasure potential experiences um versus when i rush it it's kind of like having a nice long fancy meal versus like going to the taco bell drive-thru like both are delicious i love taco bell um if people listen to the podcast they hear me talking about taco bell all the time (laughs) Uh, and comparing it to sex some for some reason uh but i think you know that both can be good meals but the latter is like this it's an experience and and i think the payoff can sometimes feel even more like explosive and exciting when you really allow yourself to stay in that aroused state for a longer period of time yeah, I really love that analogy. I personally always use the food and sex and porn analogy myself, but it's more of like candy and food and porn. Anyway, oh, uh, wait, but, tell, uh, tell me more about candy. Yeah, and so sex. like when people have their criticisms about uh, online porn and it being so unhealthy and all of this stuff. And I'm like, mm. yes. So is like uh, a candy full of Halloween, you know, a table full of Halloween candy. Um, but if you leave the table full of Halloween candy out there all days of the year, you're going to eat the candy. It's just there. You're going to see it. You're going to eat it. And that's the way, you know, online free tube site porn is. It's just there. It's readily available. That's what people go to. But if you get up off the couch and you go to the kitchen, there's a refrigerator full of fresh food that you can eat from. You just have to search it and put it together and figure out what you like. And it's mm. the same thing with online porn there's other stuff if you get off of free tube sites and you look for it and you're willing to pay for it and stock your fridge with it and figure out what it is that you like and what genres you're really into you can see that there's so much more to explore out there and appreciate and that's how porn can be healthy and sexy and plentiful oh yeah let's let's talk about that not that tube sites don't get you off. I mean, the same thing with candy, you know, like, but it's, it's easier. It's, it's like, like you said, yeah. it's right there on the table. Right. But if people just, if that's the only thing they're filling their, you know, bellies with, of course they're going to get sick of it and it's not appreciated. Um, same thing with like the online porn thing. If you're only going to tube sites and that's all you've ever seen and known, you don't appreciate, you know, the quickness and the funness of a tube site thing mm. comp- when you're not, 
even exposed to like regular cinematic or feature porn or art house porn or queer porn or all the different types of genres that, you know, amateur porn that exists out there. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that. What's your favorite kind of like porn to make then in some of those categories you were talking about that maybe aren't just the like short clip tube site gonzo style? For me to make? Yeah. Or like watch? Oh, both, I guess. Yeah, for me to make. I, I mean, would, and right, it's different every day, maybe, right? There's a different menu, different flavor, how you're feeling. Yeah, I think for myself to make, I like making, I guess, politically charged kind of things and just like change the way people would look at things, mm-hmm. um, the way people change expectations, mm-hmm. basically. Like, let me put a full blanket on that because that can go from between a, a small clip to like a full feature thing. I like things that kind of change the expectations of what people would normally see this character in or expect from this type of sex or situation, just something like that. Oh. Um, and things that I'm into personally that I like watching, I do like watching things that look like they're a little bit amateur or art house or sound footage or grainy, something that makes me feel a little weird. Like I'm watching it like, whoa, where did this come from? Even uh, if it's <laughs> just to be that way. Like the, vo- the voyeuristic aspect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as someone who obviously works a lot in the space of, um, you know, legislation and politics, and things like that how do you come to terms with that for yourself of feeling like it's okay to like something that feels that way but also knowing that you care about consent Uh, you know what I mean because it's like fantasy right it's like oh I like this found footage but we're not saying that like you should film people who are people right exactly but like it's also hot (laughs) yeah um I think it's for me I have to understand the reasoning behind why I find this desirable and I mean if it was yeah I like spying on people then I'd probably seek therapy about it but for me it really is or find a consensual way to do it right but it's more more like I appreciate seeing people not act to the camera Mm-hmm. you know and doing and it being in their pleasure doing yeah, it being themselves. in their pleasure on their own that to me is hot mm-hmm. and that feels like like what i appreciate about um in real life interactions with people is just getting to see them just be themselves and they're not acting for an audience or a camera or an yeah. algorithm yeah yeah i mean do you think that we should make porn overall more realistic or should it stay fantasy uh, I mean, there's definitely fun in the fantasy, but there's definitely yeah. um, ways to explore the more realistic ways sex can be seen and experienced more. I definitely see that and love to see that and love to be able to create that type of thing more because I think um, when it yeah. comes to even like bigger budget things, they're still very stylized and produced and it would mm-hmm. be really cool just to kind of like, create a more like reality based porn not like reality tv <laughs> that's obviously very yeah. staged so i don't mean that when i use the word reality but um, yeah like i want to see i want to see people going from like like right now i was sharing with you like my dog's not well and i want to see people going from like picking up dog shit to like how do we then turn that into like we're gonna have hot sex for the night <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i like, a way to do both like, like this or like yes. a, a you know with like a disastrous workplace you know and they go and really release their steam like fucking uh-huh. shit out of their partners yes yeah you know so yeah 
um yeah that 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 type of realism uh, maybe even like stylized camera realism would be hopefully the next wave oh what is what would that look like the stylized camera realism uh yeah probably just like less like bright porno gonzo lights that are so like stark or yeah that that kind of look where everything's like so immediately like lit yeah. up and, and noticeably seen yeah and that um, and that's out there somewhere like you were saying right you just have to look for it and i i think it's the same and, and then we can talk about like sex in mainstream non-porn media but i think it's the same right there are some movies that you go and it's a big tom cruise action flick and like all the stuff is really done up and lots of cgi and that's yeah. fun and that's entertaining that's one item on the menu and then you have the amateur then you have the found footage then you have camping like it's a whole array of stuff so it's i think a lot of times when people say porn they just automatically go to like the big budget or bigger budget mainstream stuff and they think that's all there is and it's not do you do you have any favorite um sites and outlets that you like that help people find some of these other um queer and art house and and things that are a bit different and uh different style yeah um there's this one um i know a lot through their instagrams um there's this one on instagram called black touch but i think it's blk and then touch um they do a lot of really cool like seductive black on black kink and bondage and media mm. feminine looks really when i say seductive when people usually think of kink and bondage they think like it's hardcore and you no, know, but more sensual. Yeah, it's more sensual BDSM and kink. So that's really cool. That's really uh, a unique vibe and perspective that I like. Um, there's also Joy Bear, which is like a European kind of website. Um, and theirs seems to be like more in like the sensual kind of mixed couple kind of themes. Um, I think... Um, Pink and White Productions, obviously, is a really good one here from the States um, based out of San Francisco. So I feel like theirs is really good and that realistic kind of like sex because they don't really direct in the in the in the crash pad series they don't have like directed sex it's like they match the couples together everything is worked out between the couples as far as like boundaries consent what kind of play they want to have what kind of sex it's going to be and so you really see just like real sex and i really appreciate that yeah crash pad series there's some good classics in there yeah especially because like they do have so many different kind of bodies like if you're ever someone that's curious about like trans sex and you don't want to see like oh, the mainstream stylized way of like the way trans sex is always portrayed, you know, like... Jizzly. Yeah, like you get to see like Jizzly, you get to see other um, people's bodies that aren't even like mainstream performers and you really get Mm -hmm. to see the way trans and non-binary people have sex and express themselves in a not not formulaic patterned way that some mainstream porn sex acts are, are shown. Yeah. One of my favorite gifts for the holidays is pleasure. This episode is sponsored in part by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. I find that I personally need some time to transition from a stressful day into me time or partner time. 
whether that be sexual or not. One thing that helps me do this is to engage all of my senses. Dipsy is a way of using audio to help me get my body ready for pleasure. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They even have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and of course those sexy stories that you can also read. You can listen or read alone or with a partner. When I find a story that I like, I will often send it to my partner and be like, okay, this, do this. <laughs> For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A, dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S and S. Thank you, Dipsy. I love ya. And in another vein, let's save some money. This episode is also sponsored in part by Rocket Money. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash S and S. Are you wasting money on subscriptions like me? 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu thing that never gets streamed. Uh, there's this great app I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions that I don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money. It used to be called Truebill. Uh, I definitely have so many random subscriptions that I don't need anymore and struggle to take the time to sort through them. I remember there used to be this app that was like a few lines of a scary story at a time and then you had to pay for more. I definitely fell into that trap. Uh, this app uh, shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't want to use anymore. Uh, so Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. So to cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash s and s seriously it could save you hundreds of dollars per year that's rocketmoney.com slash s and s now back to the episode and kind of going to like mainstream media so you are uh doing intimacy coordination which i talk about on a past episode if you're curious about that i'll put it in the, the episode links but within that what do you feel like are some of the key things that you feel like sex in the media should show but doesn't or that you'd like to see a little more of like, for me, it's, I think those like micro moments of just real sex, like even if it is a, a bigger budget, more fantasy thing, like my main stuff that I want to see is people orgasming from not just penetration. Yeah. Um, that's like the one key one. And then just like the small moments of like doing something that's not inherently quote unquote sexy but is like logistics i want to see someone looking for the lube i want to see somebody yeah. grabbing for the lube i want to see someone having like just a, a little consent check-in it doesn't have to be like a big thing but just these little like micro yeah. moments or i want to see like something silly happen and someone get out of the moment and then get get you know be able to kind of re-accelerate and come back in like that kind of stuff yeah, I mean, that's that's one way in mainstream that they could show realistic and reality in sex, too. Right. And I wish that they would and hope that we are moving more towards that. I mean, we're already showing full frontal penis now. So we're there. Um, so I want to see spread labia next. Right. So maybe the next things that we are going to show is some actual consent conversations, which I hope can be shown because it's not 
taboo. It's not like, like anything that, that is out of the ordinary. And I think because it never gets shown when you talk to people about, Oh, setting consent and boundaries. They think of it as something as outside of the ordinary. They're like, am I literally supposed to stop in the middle of kissing and say, can I touch your butt? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Why is that so fucking hard? Well, yeah, but then to have them show it that it can be sexy, right? That it doesn't have to be like this like boring scene where someone's like sitting there and being like going through a checklist, which it can be if you're into that. But I mean, that would be like a hilarious, funny way of like showing the extreme. Yeah and like checking things off um but you know yeah it would be great to show that sex is awkward that sex isn't smooth um at first that sex requires conversation that you know sex isn't always about a cum blast at the end you know (laughs) it's not i mean that's that would be you know big fountain shoots you up into the sky right uh but yeah uh it in in my hopes and dreams it would be like like you said the small moments um could because even in, in in things like media where i just see in sex work as someone says like an offhand comment about um a hooker or uh, a yes nowadays yeah, talk about um, that. In, in certain shows i've seen people say like hey you don't have to talk like that they're just sex workers and it's just like yeah just a small moment like that where i'm just like whoa someone behind the scenes is paying attention because that normally would not even be called out. That would just be laughed at and moved on to the next scene. Mm-hmm. And if they just included moments like that, as, as far as consent and boundaries go, or yeah. like even a question of like, um, Hey, you didn't check in about condoms. Are we using that? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, cool. You know, yeah. um, just show that like in a normal teenage hookup scene, like, yeah. I don't know, those kinds of things could just go a long way in just normalizing this kind of behavior, which, uh, I think movies do have a big responsibility in, you know, a lot of responsibility is always put on the adult industry when, um, you know, it never took on being the responsible role for mass, massive public sex education. But, um, I think the movie industry has access to a lot more eyes and ears. And I think that in ways like how we've been able to show, you know, n- normalizing homosexuality in, in through media and like TV and movies. I think we can kind of do the same thing with sex work with sexuality. You know, because I think in the past we've uh, inadvertently done the same thing with like rape culture behavior with all of the teen movies, like showing people trying to hook up and you know trying to like get one over on each other and like get away with stuff and like mm-hmm. all all of those kinds of things kind of got programmed into our mind and thinking that was okay totally. so we need movies to do the other the opposite responsible thing like reprogram consent and you know responsible behavior into people's brains with the movies that they put out mm. yeah is there are there certain things that you feel like mainstream media could learn from sex workers and porn performers Absolutely. It's really wild. Um, now having been in the industry 10 years, um, later and seeing how the me too movement went down and all of these unfortunate situations that young Hollywood actresses found themselves in. Mm -hmm. And I realized, um, this is, you know, day 101 for young strippers, young dancers, young, um, porn performers being in that kind of situation. Um, whether not saying that we're better or, or not, but it's just, we have this experience as well of being, navigating our boundaries and consent with the very person that's right in front of us that's holding money over our heads. Yes. Um, so one thing that I've noticed that 
as far as like being a sex worker has taught me, has given me experiences is having confidence and comfort in stating my boundaries and being able to express them in a way now where I can empower others, empower myself, or even diffuse a situation. Because people always think like, oh, when you say boundaries, you know, that's it. You're like putting walls up or you're, you're ending something. But for me, I, I have gotten so comfortable with boundary negotiate. Well, not ne- negotiation because we're not ne- negotiating shit, but boundary navigation. Navigate. Yeah, no, I, I call it a negotiation too, but not, not that consent is negotiable, but negotiation in the sense of like, we're both sitting down and talking about what our, yeah. our things are, our preferences are like, yeah, like navigating that together. So yeah. as far as that collaboration, goes, I don't know. yeah, collaboration. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel very comfortable having those conversations with people. So one of the things that, that I know that I can teach people is how to just be comfortable, how to diffuse that situation, how to diffuse the, the odd stigma of sexual language and conversation and just have a frank conversation and be responsible and serious. And you can even be playful, um, but still get the, the point and the message across. Yeah. Any tips that helped you get comfortable and confident with those kinds of conversations? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like practicing boundary setting in non-sexual situations. That's what gave me the, the, the muscle reflex to be able to say no or to say yes, except for, and then lay out different boundaries or no, I'm not willing to do that, but I am willing to do this and being able to flex that, that reflex muscle. Cause it's such a muscle that you have to train. Mm-hmm. It's not in us the way you know, the way we feel it in ourselves to always just say sorry for something, that's a reflex. And we've been trained to just be like, oh, we don't even yeah. think of it. So I've, tr- you know, I really train myself with non-sexual situations, how to set my boundaries. So like, I don't know, basic stuff like, hey, uh, let's go meet at the perch. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to go all the way downtown. I'd rather meet somewhere in Hollywood. Just mm-hmm. simple stuff like that amongst friends. Like, I don't mind perch. I don't have a problem with it. But did I really want to express that I wanted to rather meet in Hollywood? Like, and, and just say it like those. So those moments inside, when you feel yourself just like going with the flow, practice setting your boundary, practice, not just like arguing and pushing back, because I think people think of it as that, but just like practice redirecting or reinstating a boundary or saying, you know, uh, I'm not okay with that, but I am okay with this or no, I no as a complete sentence, because that's one thing that's really hard for people to do too. Yeah. Um, and it could be anything like, Oh, can I have a, some of your drink? No. Yeah. <laughs> the moment of COVID and monkeypox, you don't have to explain that shit. Yeah. Um, so things like that, just like small things that where the stakes weren't high. Yes, exactly. In everything. I think that's a good thing that I invite people to practice on their own and with a partner too, is like pick something that maybe to practice that almost that you don't even have a boundary about, yeah. um, not, be, not because you should just like pretend to be, I don't know, picky about things that you're not picky about, but yeah. more for the sense to take the pressure off. Like this is not yeah. something that defines me, or this is not something that is as heavy to me like sex or whatever, but like asking your partner to be like, Oh, actually I wanted ice in this water. Even if you like, yeah. don't really need the yeah. ice or like, um, Oh, actually, could you bring this back without ice when you're at a restaurant? Not, not, yeah, to, not to torture your servers, yeah, but just but to practice, practice speaking up because it is 
hard and you do feel like this like feeling in yourself and you're like whoa i just really like made that person turn around and do something different um yeah and that's the feeling that you need to work up to getting used to when you're oh yeah it's hard sexual boundary or you know physical boundary with someone that's coming into your space yeah just kind of going back to another topic you were talking about before, but how sex workers are portrayed in the media. I know that you do consulting and and work around this. Um, This is sort of an obvious question because if you've ever like watched a show, you probably know, but like, what are the cliche ways that sex workers are portrayed and how would you like to see them portrayed in the media? Uh, (laughs) Dirty. Um, you know, I I always think of law and order SVU, which I like feel guilty that I love watching because yeah, it's like so problematic. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So those are like the obvious stereotypes. I I think there's so many other ways that they can be shown. I mean, there's, there's single mothers, there's entrepreneurs, there's college students, there's like multimillionaires at this point, um, thousandaires. Yeah. Show them being successful. Like, yeah, that's the part that pisses me off is they always show like the downtrodden side of sex work. And I'm like, yes, that also exists for airline pilots. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Yes. You know, (laughs) and doctors, you know, that are over there getting sued for malpractice, but you know, in general, people think of doctors as, as an upstanding um, practice. You can earn a lot of money. Um, that's the way I see modern sex workers. We are, you know, modern people. That, yeah. yeah, modern entrepreneurs, sexual people that know how to make money in unique ways. Why not that in the capitalist environment that we live in? Yeah. Have you had the opportunity to help change any of that on any like sets you've been on yet or consulting gigs you've gotten where you were like yes like <laughs> they listened um definitely or is this the hope this is down the pipeline this is, hope. This is definitely a hope for a way more in the future um i can say that i can i can see that certain things that i participated in or consulted in um my my words were not twisted or misconstrued. So that was the good thing there. Like that was Mm -hmm. the first step, not twisted and misconstrued. That sucks feeling like you have to feel like you have to say things like perfect and walk on eggshells because of, Uh, yeah, because of communities that you're representing. I feel like it's a lot of pressure because I know that not a lot of us get opportunities outside of our own bubble to speak to people that want to listen to us in a respectful manner where they're taking our words seriously. Um, so I, I hope that what I say is enough. I hope that what I say is, you know, inclusive and all encompassing and not forgetting or leaving things out. And that's usually what I, I'm I'm thinking when I have opportunities and moments to speak and consult like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for to hear about it. We'll have to have you back on in some time so you can share some projects that you've gotten to work on with that because I think it's it's so important. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of like a hard left or a hard right to a different topic because I, I want to make sure we cover this together. But um, I know before the podcast, we were also talking about just having like multiple um, identities. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is being a parent and a sex worker. Um, How has that balance been for you of being a mom and also being an adult work? Um, For me, it's really helped me shape my relationship with my kid in a way where I have time to focus with them and pay attention to them. I have uh, money to 
enroll them in their special extracurricular activities and things that they need for their health. Yeah. Because um, I, I often hear the the darker side of it from folks who are like trying to make sure that the school and the teachers and the parents right. don't find out and then they do and then the kid is embarrassed and like I wonder, yeah, let's let's like so let's normalize I mean, this. You I know? mean, I guess for me, I did always prepare my kid for like, you know, that could happen around the age mm. of 10. Yeah. Um, when, when do you think is a good time to start having that conversation with your kid? Well, I got in the industry when they were four. Um, so my talk around like body stuff and consent, like they were already knowing their body parts and things of that nature. So sex talk was being had gradually like at sex appropriate ages yes it's reminder it's an ongoing conversation not yeah. the talk yeah not like the one time just yeah. in grade or whatever but yeah so ever since they were around three it was like you know not saying stuff like wee wee and stuff you know <laughs> for penis yeah for proper terms for yeah proper yeah parts. yeah um so that was the thing and letting them know, you know, no one's supposed to touch you or look, you know, if it, if anything, just like your parents or your grandparents, if it's just inspecting and making sure everything's okay. I mean, that's, go. that's some awesome sex positive parenting. How did you know to do that? Um, I think maybe just growing up being myself and feeling like I was always super curious about sex and not that my parents did anything wrong. I mean, in the eighties and nineties, they, they weren't like sex experts. Um, they were just sexual. Yeah. They didn't know they weren't taught how to talk about this. Stuff right, either. They were just normal sexual people themselves. And I think, um, Stomach. But even even that is progressive. I think a lot of people don't see their parents as sexual themselves, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like I was also a super nosy kid, so I found <laughs> my dad's Playboys, and then I found my mom's um like self help sex books. <laughs> nice. Any good ones that still hold up? Oh God. Uh, I feel like there was. I can't remember the name, but there was one that had like this sheets on the front and like some roses, nice. and it and it was like really talking about sensuality and like being in touch with yourself and all this like really cool stuff yes um, mom <laughs> I know. um so i mean maybe just like knowing that i had all this curiosity i was like well if i just treat this like um you know biology and any other things that we talk about like our digestive system um hopefully it won't be such a mystery for my kid and they'll they'll not be like seeking it out elsewhere yeah. um so yeah that, that i think that's where my my thoughts came from as far as like an ongoing conversation and then by the time they were 10 um i was like you know boys are definitely in class looking at porn or like talking about titties or something so they need to be aware of what could happen um so like i was just like yeah you know lotus um if and they've heard my friends call me lotus but maybe they just thought of it as a nickname mm -hmm. which they still do at this time um so yeah i was just like you know porn and the adult industry and if you hear the word slut like these means all these things and you should know what this means and they were just like whoa okay um and so it was like interesting because they had like a not big reaction um maybe because of me having ongoing sex conversations with them but um this goes into what a lot of news articles are saying about this generation and young people too they're not as interested in sex as we were back in the day um my kid was just like yeah okay cool like you told me what intercourse is so i get it like or maybe yeah. they're maybe they're interested but i think they're maybe getting more in yeah, more, information. more information so it's not like oh, sex yeah. right it's yeah. like oh okay
You said yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, as we we were watching like Project Runway over the pandemic and one of the the contestants got banned because of escorting. And then my kid was outraged and they're like, what? That's just a normal form of sex work like anything else. How, how old was your kid at the time? I think it was like, what, third? we were like, Yes. Then, and I was just like, wow, okay, like they fully get it now. You're like, I did a good job. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, yeah, like they shouldn't, people on TV shouldn't be discriminating against this model for mm-hmm. formerly escorting. Mm-hmm. Um, just like people in any other industry shouldn't discriminate against former porn stars or strippers or whatever else that yeah. move on to do other jobs. And you would know this better from experience. I'm not a parent to any any human children, but I think, you know, finding age appropriate ways to disclose this information, right? Like you're not going to you know, take your, take your kid to work, maybe potentially no. when they're, when they're four and, or show them videos and be like, this is what I do for work. And you're I getting deep and you're getting so. DP'd. Um, yeah, but- yeah, still, I haven't shown anything of that nature and, and I probably never will. Cause good God, I don't think I'd ever want to see my mom at any age. <laughs> no matter how mature I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, if maybe at four, it's something more like, oh, like you're saying, oh, we all can get to do what we want with our bodies and, yeah. and so, you know, maybe sort of introducing that. And then yeah. like you're saying, maybe at 12 and 13, you're talking about sort of the legality and more of the like philosophical components of it. And then also like being honest about what you're doing, but not, you're not going into detail necessarily, but, you know, I think there's, I, everyone's going to do it differently based on their style, but like, yeah. What do you feel like are maybe some good age points where like, here's a good age to say this, here's a good age to say yeah. this. And I think too, like, you got to know like the maturity level of your own kid mm-hmm. as a parent, like really fill them out and know how they are going to handle things, yeah. know what they can handle. Um, if you have, I don't know, like a already horny boy, I mean, maybe you want to hold some things back. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't it's, it's, it's kid to kid, person to it's person. kid to kid. I felt like my kid was really mature and wasn't showing me any signs that they couldn't handle what I was about to say. So has I, any, has anyone ever judged you for being, uh, not being a good parent because of being uh, a sex worker? Cause that's always scary. I've heard people use that in legal cases. Yeah. To, and that's happened to, um, yeah. a porn star Mercedes Carrera, you know, she's still locked up right now because of the allegations against her. And, and, yeah. and I don't even think she's still gone to trial. So like the sex work discrimination really exists out there because that's definitely in a conservative county where she's being held. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely, uh, and you know, all the judges and people who have her in there are probably watching her sex work. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, um, her ex was like former military. So like they have that, you know, aura of being like, Oh, they're the upstanding citizen. And you know, she's the messed up porn star. So, you know, things are stacked against us definitely. So there's a delicate balance out there for, I I would say my online persona and how much I can get away with as Lotus, um, mm-hmm. especially why my child is still 18 and under truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's intense. Okay. Last question before we wrap up anything that you feel like was helpful for you to balance a pleasurable sex life and being a mom. Yeah. Having my kid away in school for eight hours a day. <laughs> Let me enjoy those daytime hookups. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yes. So that's great. Uh, I mean, I, but I think the key is making, you're making time for yourself, right? Yeah, like, I'm making important. time for myself. I mean, it's, it's really true. Or even during those times, I make a, ple- a pleased for- mom is a good mom. Right. I make time for my, my clips and my customs for my fans during those times too. So it's really good because then I have, you know, money in the bank already where once yeah. kid is home, I can be mom and kid time and I don't have to be, you know, doing a double shift at some outside of the house kind of job. Um, so yeah. And this, this question applies to like, I even like judging myself a little bit for asking it because I feel like this question applies to any mom who works any job. Like, how do you make sure you find the time to balance your shit as a human being <laughs> and an individual, including sex while you're working? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, true. It is. Once you like layer it over different lifestyles, it's the same thing, but that's what people need to hear that we have a similar lifestyle to anybody else, similar concerns and hopes and goals and dreams, you know, probably just a lot more sex happening, (laughs) but that's a funny thing. Some people in normal, you know, jobs out there having a lot of sex too, just secretly quietly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well lotus thank you so much for for joining in um what are some projects and things that you're working on now or just how can people sort of get in touch pay for your work uh hire you consult with you thank you um right now i am doing a lot of self um improvement and training and so i'm taking a lot of more courses with intimacy coordinating so you can definitely look forward to seeing me um doing a lot more consulting and training in the future if you want help with that reach out to me online at its lotus lane i-t-s-l-o-t-u-s-l-a-i-n but in the meantime i'm also doing production managing and intimacy coordinating for playboy so that's been fun and if you want to see me in the flesh, you can only see me on my own OnlyFans and Playboy Centerfold, also at its Lotus Lane, I-T-S-L-O-T-U-S-L-A-I-N. True Renaissance woman. <laughs> <laughs> Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review. It is very helpful. And check out those advertiser discounts. Thank you and talk to you next week.